When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for downloading the free and ad-supported version of Cubs Pod, which is actually three daily Cubs podcasts smashed into one episode. But... Cubs Pod is actually a daily Cubs podcast, which is released every single day during the Cubs season on our Patreon page, completely ad-free at patreon.com slash sunranto. In fact, you'll get all Sunranto shows early and ad-free on our private premium RSS feed. Plus, you'll get access to our private Discord group where we host game watches and Cubs fan chats with the Super Ranters. Join us for as little as $1 at patreon.com slash sunranto. Please support independent Cubs media like us and subscribe at patreon.com slash sunranto. We can't do it without you. Thank you. And enjoy this version that is ad supported of Cubs Pod. Hi, and welcome to Cubs Pod. It's a Bleacher Bunch production on the Fans First Network, your daily dose of digestible Cubs content. I'm your host, Danny Rocket, and I'm here to tell you what's happening right now in the world of the Chicago Cubs on May 6th, 2023. The Cubs won on a beautiful Friday afternoon uh, from now on known as Cinco de Mervis. Yes, that's right. It was Cinco de Mayo yesterday, 5th of May, right before the 6th of May. That's how that works. But it was an absolutely beautiful day at Wrigley Field. Uh, 69 degrees at game time. Really nice weather. It got into the low 70s. There were Simpsons clouds out there. I went with my mom. I sat in the left field corner in the upper deck, which, by the way, if you are going to the game with somebody with mobility issues, that is an absolutely awesome seat where you can see everything. You get the back row of the upper deck, left field corner, kind of like the 304, 305, 303, that kind of area there. You get one of the back rows and... uh yeah, it works out great. Actually, we sat in the uh, disability section, which was even better. We got to sit on folding chairs just because the uh, the old man, who my mother thought was a woman, even though there was quite a five o'clock shadow on that face, uh, but short with a ponytail, so I can understand that there was some confusion, especially these days where uh, the kids are are absolutely leaning into their actual feelings about such things. Um, yeah, this man, I don't, I don't think he was leaning into anything except for a ponytail. And one of those old man ponytails, whole nod to the dream. I can appreciate it, but it made my mom think you were a woman. That's just how that went for you. But uh, anyway, uh, he uh, he let us sit there on the folding chairs. Absolutely wonderful uh, view, beautiful day, and a great day to watch a rookie that I don't think that I've seen the Cub fans been this excited about a rookie for quite some time, I mean, maybe Ian Happ was the last one, but I don't even remember him coming up. I mean, Contreras, I mean, we're going going pretty far back before we're excited about a rookie. Um, I mean, really excited. You know, not just like, oh, they're throwing Killian up there today. Let's see what he does. Like, not that kind of thing. But anyway, very cool to see uh, the crowd. Pretty packed. Um, but I did look at well I'll get to that I'll I'll get to that there were uh, 31,000 at this game it was 25% empty uh, 
Well, actually, I'll just get to it now. Um, I was that made me curious. Twenty five percent empty on a beautiful day, uh, Cinco de Mayo. You think that this game's going to be packed Friday afternoon? People like pulling a Ferris Bueller, uh, going on down to the ball game. It was cheap to go. Eleven bucks gets you in. Ten bucks. And uh, it wasn't, you know, 25% empty on a day like that. And I, I thought to myself, I wonder how that compares to a similar day in May pre-pandemic. You know, let's take it back to, let's say, 2019. So I did. And uh, it was slightly higher. It was a third. The only the closest thing I could find was actually a game against the Marlins in May. It was 65 degrees that day because weather plays a huge factor but they drew more, not a lot more, but it was 32,301 on a Thursday. Tick, a thousand more tickets were sold. Um, I don't know, just something to think about. Uh, this team is about as good as the 2019 team, but that team had people that you had actually heard of. Even, you know, Anthony Rizzo, for example, in that game, hit a home run off uh, well, sit, well, while kneeling on one knee. So people had heard of Anthony Rizzo. Um, and now people are going to have heard of Cinco de Mervis because the legend uh, begins. And it begins with this game, which I haven't even started talking about. This 4-1 to one win. And things got off to a really great start. Uh, Steele, who's, who's the best pitcher in baseball as far as I'm concerned this year. I have an autograph from him. And I, I don't know if I can give it up because this guy might go to the Hall of Fame. Um, two strikeouts in the first inning. And then in the bottom of the inning, uh, Nico Horner singled to lead it off, advanced on a disengagement violation, whatever that is, although I do know what it is, but I think it's kind of like a balk these days. He just disengaged one too many times. And uh, Nico kept doing these like running starts and then getting back. And it's interesting to watch because if you have speed, you can really be quite disruptive on the base paths these days. I kind of dig it as far as where the new rules go. But disengagement violation is like, eh. but that's what Nico Nico made that happen. So I'll give the disengagement violation or a DV to uh, Nico Horner. DV is already something else, so we probably shouldn't go with that. But how about a, a dive eye? <laughs> a, well, maybe not. Um, so a pass ball sent Nico over to third base, uh, but there were two outs now. Say a single them in. One nothing Cubs. We're so we're off to a, a rousing start on this beautiful Simpsons Clouds Day. Mervis uh, came up in the second inning uh, to quite the ovation and um, struck out and actually looked really bad and um, yeah, he's flailing away at pitches. Uh, but and then uh, Mancini singled right after him. Um, uh, Wisdom, Wisdom and Horner also struck out in that inning. Actually, Edward Cabrera struck out eight. So I wouldn't feel bad, too bad, Matt Mervis, because everybody else struck out too. Um, and he struck out eight through five. So that was pretty co- impressive from Edward Cabrera. Um, Miguel Amaya also took his first at-bat at Wrigley Field, and people were way less excited. And, you know, I, I thought to myself, like, he was one of the prospects for the longest time, and He's totally being overshadowed by this Mervis moment. And it's just kind of crazy to think people are like, oh, Miguel, who? Like, I, I almost forgot that, not that he was in the lineup, I knew that, but I was so focused on that Matt Mervis was in the game that I forgot Miguel Amaya was really in the game and what it meant. But it, it, meant, uh, it meant he was going to get hit by a pitch. And, and I was like, oh, my God, this guy with all this injury history is just going to break his hand on his first at bat at Wrigley Field. This is just like this dark cloud that's hanging over this kid. But thank God he was fine. Um, and he ended up taking his base after getting hit. Um, no hits in the game, but he is hitting the crap out of the ball. He had a warning track shot and a really sharp liner. And um, I'm sure that excited Boog, who's just like an exit velo pervert. Um, yeah, it was a loud out. But uh, hopefully he can find some holes and hit the ball hard there. How about um, a hole like the left field bleachers? That's a hole. Um, so, uh, yeah, Dansby, incredible. In fact, let's talk about a couple of defensive fl- plays. Dansby, an incredible play um, into the hole, 
gunned it across to first base uh, where Mervis was waiting. That was uh, to to lead off the third inning. So, like, these are plays that I don't think Nico makes last year. You know, I did, Nico's good. And, in fact, that was the other play I wanted to talk about. A leaping snag in the fifth inning by Nico Horner after the Marlins had got the leadoff man on in the fifth. Uh, they had bunted him over to the second, and then leap, uh, Nico went... He almost like he levitated into the air, levitated quickly. I think they call it jumping. But um, yeah, Nico jumped, couldn't get back to second, double play. So, I mean, a lot of that, that dur, that defensive efficiency ratio, just getting the outs is really, well, it's a, I'm sure it's a huge difference for the pitchers. When you look at Justin Steele's line of giving up uh, only the one run, you know that a lot of it is the defense. Um, uh, speaking of Justin Steele, he got in a little trouble in the fourth, a uh, couple of singles uh, in with two outs, but then uh, Jazz Chisholm sent one uh, deep into the left field corner and Hap ran it down. He, he really, know, you know, Wrigley Field, uh, left field, you know, it's not known for having your best fielder in it, but as far as left field at Wrigley Field, we've seen it done poorly. Kyle Schwarber used to go running for baseballs, go flying, have a shoe stuck upside down in the ground somehow, and uh, he's on on the ground with his shirt unbuttoned and, his, and untucked and uh, his sock hanging around his ear. I mean, it was just ridiculous watching Kyle Schwarber play it. Although there was a uh, there was a sack fly in this game. I'll, I'll get to it. Uh, it was the Marlins' only run, but. Not much of an arm on Ian Happ, and I don't. I don't think you can work on something like that too much. But uh, yeah, he's not going to throw out a lot of runners at second base or at the plate, like our man Kyle did. But he is going to catch baseballs, which he did, and uh, really kind of saved the moment there. Um, what else happened? Uh, yeah, I already talked about the leaping snag by Lee uh, by uh, Nico in the fifth. Turned into a double play. Um, well, in the bottom of the inning, of the bottom of the fifth, uh, Swanson singled with two outs, and Mister Mister Left Field Gold Glove uh, hit a two run homer to right center. Now it's three to nothing, Cubs. At this point, the Marlins did score on that Gurriel sack fly that I was talking about, where Hap's noodle arm had no chance. This was after Birdie and Arias had singled, so a little bit more trouble for Steele as the game went on. Seven innings, though, for him uh, overall. Four strikeouts, zero walks, one run on six hits. Fulmer came in in the eighth inning, uh, gave up a single to Birdie, but a Solaire double play erased him. In the eighth, the Cubs added another run when Bellinger doubled with two outs. Then Tanner Scott, a lefty, walked Mancini intentionally to get to Matt Mervis. So you got a lefty-on-lefty matchup. Matt Mervis still up there, and uh, Mervis drilled a base hit to drive in belly. Four to one Cubs, little insurance there, and they wouldn't really need it. Um, Mark Leiter Jr. came in and uh, arise singles, uh, but he was erased by a double play from Gurriel, and uh, then there was a hit by pitch to Segura, but Jizz Chisholm, uh, Jazz Chisholm, he... Uh, Struck out, then the game was over. So, uh, really, uh, just a beautiful surgical game. Uh, two oh nine was the time on that, and um, as I said, I went with my mom. It was so so quick that she thought it was the fifth inning when it was the seventh, and so she went to use the bathroom and missed the stretch, which she was not too happy about. She's like, "What? How could it be the seventh? And I'm like, "Well, pitch clock. That's how." And so. It's just on a beautiful day like that, when you're enjoying hanging out at the ballpark and you can sit there and talk and eat sunflower seeds all day long, you don't want it to be 209. And that's what it was. You know, just that's what's going to happen sometimes. And it wasn't particularly a pitcher's duel. In fact, the game uh, that was on the the one that I was talking about before that was back in a Thursday day game in May, that game was like, Almost three hours. That would have been fine. That would have been, it was almost the same weather. I mean, that's kind of what 
what you want is to sit there for three hours. But instead, we got 209. Um, but, oh, my God, this uh, Louisa Rise, three for four in this game. I mean, he had this single in the ninth. Well, he went three for four in the game. It, it, but he was always on base, 437 average on this season. And I thought to myself, is it possible? Yeah, he's a lefty. That the lack of the shift rules, or or the shift rule, the new shift rule, is going to cause somebody to bat 400 again. Just something to think about, because you know those outfielders were normally, or those infielders were normally playing in the in the grass. Last year they would have been there. Arise is not batting 400. I'll tell you that much with those last rules. So I'm just I'm interested to see. We're only a month in. The dude's going to hit a slump eventually, but I don't know. 437 after a month. I don't remember that happening in recent memory. So very cool stuff. The Cubs, on the other hand, I think this is probably their high for strikeouts in a game. 15 times. Uh, Wisdom three times. Amaya is the only one that did not strike out. A lot of guys struck out twice. A bunch, everybody else once. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, that's going to happen to you. The uh, Marlins actually have a pretty nifty pitching staff. Um, What else happened to this game? That's it. That's it. The Cubs won it on a beautiful day. What else What else can is there to say except for that it went damn perfect? Today's game is Brian Hoeing 0-1 with a 623. We saw him last weekend where he went five innings and gave up two runs. Uh, that was only his second start on the year and um he's going up against drew smiley who's three and one with a 283 smiley last pitched in dc one run on six hits seven innings pitched zero walks only two strikeouts though obviously doing it to show up michael cotton and what he said about him before the season started that he wasn't going to be that good and that the spot should go to javier Assad, who also had a nice uh outing uh not well, he didn't start the game, but he had a nice outing, five innings pitched the other day. And, um, but yeah, he's no Drew Smiley, man. So, uh, looking at how the Cubs do against uh, Hoeing, not a lot to see. Cody Bellinger has seen him the most, he's 0 for 3 with a walk. And then, uh, Dansby Swanson is 2 for 4. Um, nobody's homered off of him, so that would be nice if that would happen today. But, yeah, not much else to see. A lot of offers, one for threes, you know, nothing to see. Nothing to see. So then we got uh, Drew Smiley going up against the Marlins. And um, let's see what we got here. We have Yuri Gurriel having seen him the most. Two for seven with a double. Uh, Jacob Stallings has two home runs off of him. There are his two hits in uh, five uh, five plate appearances. And Jizz, Jazz Chisholm, 0 for 6 with 5 strikeouts. So hopefully, hopefully we can keep him off base. Uh, Gene Segura likes it. He's 3 for 4 with a couple of walks. So overall, 58 plate appearances for a bunch of guys. So it's spread out pretty thin amongst everybody. But they're slashing 286, 379, 469. Nice. Uh, for 849 OPS overall. Marlins, pesky little team. Pesky, pesky, pesky. It's not going to be quite as nice as yesterday. Today, it's raining right now here in Chicago, but that should clear up by game time. And um, mid-60s, cloudy. Going to rain again later, but they're going to get this game in. And um, they're giving away a Fergie Jenkins statue bobblehead. So there's probably people already lined up trying to be the first one to get one. They're only giving away 10,000 of these. I wish I could go and get one, to be honest, but uh, I cannot. I will not be attending today's game, unfortunately. We're having a mock Mother's Day slash my birthday slash my dad's birthday. little uh, brunch today with my sister, wife, and my mother. Um, I suggested the ball game, but... uh, you know, people got better things to do with their time. I don't understand it. Don't they know this is the 2023 Cubs that are going to come out of nowhere and do something? Yeah, well, it's one game I won't get ahead of myself, but I must admit it was fun seeing everybody excited 
watching Matt Mervis come to the plate yesterday. It's been a while. It's been a while. And he looked the part. So there, my friends, is your Cubs pod for May 6, 2023. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Michael Cotton will get you tomorrow. And Spookog. All over Chicagoland, there are thirsty, frazzled, overworked Cubs podcasters who are struggling to survive one more baseball season in the dog-eat-dog world of unpaid content creation. But it doesn't have to be this way. You can make a difference. Become a super ranter at patreon.com sunranto where your support ensures that poor, sad, pathetic, ugly, loser Cubs podcasters can pay for tickets and beer and in turn line the pockets of the baseball agarch Ricketts family. Just $1 a month can buy a scorecard. $5 a month can pay for guitar strings to write a Cubs song. And $10 a month almost buys one beer at Wrigley Field. Cubs content creators are the lowest pieces of pond scum garbage that slither over the face of this planet. But Super Ranters help them get drunk and screw off at baseball games. What do you get out of it? The Sun Ranto Show, delivered to your podcatcher without stupid advertisements like the one you're seeing and hearing right now. Plus, at other Super Ranter levels, you can get Cubs music, access to private Sun Ranto pages, the Ranter calendar, and special thanks and Ranter recognition in our live broadcasts, plus eligibility for monthly prizes. What does Sun Ranto get out of it? Your money. For tickets and beer. Go to patreon.com slash sunranto. That's patreon.com slash sunranto. And become a Super Ranter today. It is May 7th, 2023, and this is Cubs Pod, coming to you very late on a Sunday, because uh, yesterday a lot of stuff was going on, New King in England, Kentucky Derby, and uh, and I threw a party, I threw a Pinewood Derby party, and I got pretty drunk by the end of the night, and so this morning has been a massive epic hangover but i am finally here and ready to tell you about the game yesterday and prepare you for the game today drew smiley got the call and uh he struggled through the first inning unlike the way that he pitched in his last bunch of starts uh, the game yesterday was tough, and I'm not exactly sure why. I was listening to Pat and Ron. Um, you know, he just wasn't getting the swing and miss that he's used to on some of those pitches down in the dirt. I'm hoping that the league is not getting a book on him uh, because, you know, we, we saw this a long time ago with Arietta, where he was excellent until everybody realized they just don't swing at the slider and it goes out of the zone so i'm hoping that this was just a a one game thing and he's going to be back on it the next start on the flip side the marlins had a scratch of their starting pitcher for some reason uh which is weird because he ended up coming into this game later in the game so it's almost like maybe he wasn't around or maybe he's like me today. He was just way too hungover to get to the ballpark early. Anyway, the Cubs got to face some bullpen guys right up top and, you know, had a little bit of luck uh, early. Ended up bases loaded in the first inning. But, of course, uh, everybody was stranded. Because that's what the Cubs seem to do lately with bases loaded is just strand runners. It's not the way to win games. 
So the Marlins were able to get a run in that first inning with Smiley struggling and with Barnes struggling, the Cubs were not able to get a run. Uh, Then we get to the third inning and former Cub Jorge Soler got all of it. Took uh, Smiley deep. I remember when Soler was on the team and, you know, he, he does strike out a ton, but man, what a majestic home run that guy hit yesterday and he used to hit for the Cubs um you know I I, look there's no place for him on this team and and I'm not saying I want him back but I did like Solaire back in the day not as much yesterday when he crushed that homer at least it was a solo shot so the Cubs didn't go down by too much so 2-0 after three Just like in the first inning after the Marlins scored, the Cubs got up there and put some pressure on uh, the new pitcher, who was supposed to be the starting pitcher, Hoeing. But once again, they left runners in scoring position. They had runners at first and second with no outs. And then, of course, the next three guys, Swanson, Hap, and Suzuki, otherwise known as the heart of the order, Uh, Went down in order. Swanson and Hap both struck out. And then Suzuki hit a a high pop fly. It was an easy, easy out. But got a little interesting because Chisholm and De La Cruz weren't talking. And they actually ran into each other while Chisholm was catching the ball. They kind of bumped shoulders because, I don't know, both of them wanted the ball and didn't realize that the other one was... Who knows? It's always surprising to me when Major League Baseball players make little mistakes like that. Didn't matter for the Cubs, though, because it still turned into the out that we thought it was going to be. And the Cubs uh, scoreless yet again through the third. Smiley entered in the fourth but did not finish. He only got one out in the fourth, and they had to pull him. 83 pitches. Very uncharacteristic because I believe the other day he threw 84 and went seven or eight innings, something like that. So 83 pitches uh, in 3.1 innings uh, was a bit of a surprise. Luckily for the Cubs, uh, we got some good bull penis yesterday and uh, the Marlins were unable to score against the bullpen at all. In the bottom of the fourth, uh, Bellinger got it going with a double. And then uh, Mash Mervis had an opposite field single that drove in the run. And finally, finally in this game, the Cubs had somebody to drive in a run when a runner was in scoring position. Honestly, the Cubs should have absolutely destroyed the Marlins in this game. Unfortunately, because of some of those choke jobs uh the marlins were in the lead for most of the game anyway mervis doing the things that we knew mervis could do and finally getting to do them in chicago where he should have been doing it the whole time cut the lead in half so it's 2-1 after four (sighs) unfortunately we would not see any more real offense like scoring offense at least from the cubs even though in the seventh inning they had bases loaded yet again in this game and failed to get anybody home. Finally, in the eighth inning, uh, the Cubs came to life with some actual runs, but it was actually not so much the Cubs as it was the Marlins kind of failing. The first was a Bellinger single in which the pitcher almost snagged it out of the air and threw over to first, and the first baseman dropped it. So it was an error. Bellinger's on first. Steals second. And then Mancini hit a lazy fly ball out to right field. But the right fielder lost it in the sun. Did not catch the ball. Mancini ended up with a double. So we had uh, runners at second and third. Nick Madrigal came through. uh, Ripped a ball out to right field on the ground. Uh, They threw home, did not get Velasquez, who was pinch running for Mancini, which allowed Madrigal to get the second on the throw. And then we get the rookie, Miguel Amaya, who has 
absolutely been robbed so many times crushing baseballs. I'm talking hard hit balls. But not this game. Nope. Not going to get robbed. But he's also not going to hit it hard. Amaya smacked a ball directly into the dirt in front of home plate. It bounced off the dirt, flew over the pitcher's head. The second baseman, Edwards, charged it and was unable to pick it up. A little worried there. It might be called an error, but there, you know, the official score was a hit. It was also his first RBI because Madrigal was able to score on the play. So Amaya finally got his first hit. It's just funny that he smacked it directly into the dirt. It was everything that the advanced stats say uh, is bad in a hit that got him his first hit and first RBI. So I guess stick that in your exit velo, right? So the Cubs scored three in the eighth. And then uh, I've seen this actually out on the web. People talking about it who uh, might have something here. People have been saying Adbert Alzali should be the new closer. And, well, he got his chance yesterday. 4-2 ball game. Adbert comes in and handled it very well. He threw 11 pitches and got three outs in order and a safe. And I just want to reiterate that, you know, Rucker, Thompson, and Alzali, you know, the Cubs bullpen. Thompson, Keegan Thompson went three innings, which was almost as much as Smiley went to start the game. The bullpen held it down in this game, though. No runs. It was really iffy how this was going to come out, especially after Smiley wasn't the same Smiley we've seen the last few times. But, yeah, Rucker had 1.2 innings, only gave up two hits, had one strikeout. Keegan Thompson had three innings, only gave up one hit, had two strikeouts, and then Alzali locked it down. It was a good outing for the pitching staff. All right, now that we're through that, let me do a quick uh, preview of the game that is going to start in literally just about an hour because uh, I did not get the, the Cubs pod early enough today. But it's uh, Sandy Alcantara versus Hayden Wisniewski. Um Wisniewski was okay against a bad team last time. Let's hope he can keep that going. The Cubs do seem to hit well against Alcantara, and Wisniewski hasn't really seen anybody on the Miami lineup. So that's going to be it for me. Sorry it's so late. Uh, I'm going to go inside and nurse this hangover while watching the game. So, spagog. Stuff. Hey Cubs fans, at Amazon.com do you buy lots of stuff? Why not support the Sun Ranto Show by shopping through SunRanto.com slash stuff. All you gotta do is fill your cart at Amazon with lots of stuff. Then before you check out with all of that wonderful stuff, head on over to SunRanto.com slash and click any of our links before you buy your stuff. Check out like you normally would with all that beautiful stuff. And the Sun Ranto Show will get a small kickback because of the stuff you bought. And you'll be helping the Sun Ranto Show buy all the stuff. We need to stay on the air talking about the Cubs and other stuff. Plus you could win a monthly prize if some of your stuff. is chosen for Amazon stuff. of the month. And if you win, we'll send you more. Sunranto.com slash That address again is sunranto.com slash stuff. Hello and welcome to Cubs Pod, a Bleacher Bunch production on the Fans First Network. It's your daily dose of digestible Cubs content. 
I'm your host, Danny Rocket, and I'm here to tell you what's happening right now in the world of the Chicago Cubs on May the 8th, 2023. Well, I hope you had a nice sleep after that Donnybrook of a game yesterday. What what a mess. Uh, I mean, we could get into it. I First of all, I'd like to say the game went 14 innings. You got to love that. Ernie Banks would have been proud. He would have liked to have won, but that he would have just played another game later on in the day and won that one. But uh, wow, what a what a heartbreaking loss for it to end the way it did on a balk off. But I'm getting way ahead of myself here because um, this game was actually pretty dull and quite tight until really the wheels fell off in Manfred Man Clown Ball. The game was only one to nothing Miami after a, a cheap homer into the left field basket by Yuri Gurriel all the way until the eighth inning. Um. Hayden Wisniewski started this game, and uh, in the first, he gave up a couple singles, but he got a double play to get out of it, and the Cubs really, the entire game let Sandy Alcantara show why he was the Cy Young Award winner last year, even though he did give up nine hits. Um, Wes struck out two in the second, and he got a bunch of strikeouts uh, that were looking which I always think is cool because you're just freezing the guy. It looks like a ball. He's sure it's a ball. He doesn't pull the trigger, and he's caught looking. I, I like that uh, even more. That swing is too chaotic. It's caught looking. That's just an easy play. That's just that's the, that's the punch. That's the punch out. So the Cubs got something going in the third inning. Mervis and Madrigal singled. Um, Amaya sacrificed him over, but then the, the big guns, Horner and Swanson, uh, they screwed up, and Horner popped out, and Swanson got caught looking. Things did not get better in the fifth inning uh, with the wind blowing out. Yuri Gurriel, he put a ball right in the basket, landed right where Javi's did against Johnny Cueto, and, oh, man, it just it barely made it out. I mean, I didn't look at Wood it Dong to see if it would have been out anywhere else, but that was definitely wind blown into that basket. Um, then uh, Wesneski gave up two more singles, ended up being first and third. And then there was a, uh, Wesneski fielded a ball. He ran at the runner running from third to home, got him in a pickle. By the end of it, uh, Amaya had tagged that runner out and then it ended up being first and second. On the next batter, Stallings was up, and he hit a little bouncer to Magical, who was playing third. He threw home, and Amaya ended up tagging him out. So Amaya got them both. And then in a really exciting play, uh, Jazz Chisholm struck out uh, to end the threat. Uh, nice job by Wisniewski to get out of it. Um, Mervis and Amaya both singled in the fifth, uh, but Mervis got caught going to third on Amaya's single and was out. And then Fulmer came in, had a clean inning in the uh, top of the next inning. Boxberger in the eighth ended up giving up a run on a couple of hits. So then it was 2 nothing. Uh, Solaire with that ribby. And then the Cubs' ninth inning fake rally became real. Hap singled with one out. Belly doubled them in 2-1. to one. Hosmer then singled in belly, and now it's tied at two, and out went Sandy Alcantara. And what a game he pitched up until that point. He got into the ninth inning. First of all, we haven't seen a Cub do that this year. Uh, 8.1 innings, nine hits, two runs, nine strikeouts, and no walks. Impressive. He's got a 453 ERA on the year, so maybe a little bit of a hangover from last year. So, uh, yeah, what a, what an outing by him. But, hey, the Cubs, uh, I mean, he did, he got the no, to, no decision, but the Cubs were finally able to get to him in the ninth. So this, this game marched on tied. Mark Leiter Jr. came in, and he gave up a uh, triple to Segura, and that scored the ghost man, but then he got a pop-up and two strikeouts. 
Matt Mervis, in the bottom of the inning, who was the ghost runner, got the third out of Madrigal, got ground out, where Madrigal was almost actually safe on on, uh, that ground out, but he was out. Amaya got hit by a pitch. Uh, He's the new Willie. Uh, Suzuki came in and ran for him. And then Horner got the big hit and singled in Mervis finally. Seiya goes the second, but that's all they could get. Leiter came out and held him in the 11th. And Brazaban came out and held the Cubs in the 11th as well as Hap was thrown out at home in that inning. Alzali came in. And Swanson, man, what a catch on a liner. 105.7 miles per hour right into his mitt. And, uh, of course, guess where I got that stat from? Thanks, Boog. Then uh, Tanner Scott held the Cubs. So Alzali held the Marlins. Tanner Scott held the Cubs. And then in the the Marlins in the top of the 13th, they got a run on a sacrifice fly. But then Ian Happ scored our ghost runner with a single as well in the 13th. So now it remains tied at four. So uh, in the 14th, after a ground out had moved their ghost runner, Hampson, to third base, Adbert Alzali balked. That's right. He balked. It was a balk off. But if you want to make yourself feel better about losing out of Bach, Jesus Sanchez, who is up to bat when the Bach happened, also doubled. But he did not score. Ended up 5-4 to four after Mervis popped out, Magical grounded out, and Barnhart K'd. Wow. <laughs> uh, but we did use one less pitcher than the Marlins, if that ex- is the kind of thing that excites you. <laughs> Uh, Cubs went two for, uh, no, the Marlins went two for 20 with runners in scoring position. The Cubs went three for 20. The Marlins used seven pitchers. The Cubs used six pitchers. The Marlins had 13 strikeouts in the game, and the Marlins struck out 10 times. Cubs had 10 strikeouts. I mean, just a real Donnybrook of a game. Um. I just, wow, it it really, it pains me to say that that was maybe my favorite game of the year, (laughs) just because, and I know we lost, and so it's not my favorite game of the year, but the clown ball was actually the most interesting part of the game for the Cubs, because that's when there was chaos. The rest of the game that game would have been two hours long. But it wasn't because of clown ball. The people got their money's worth. Well, I'm, I'm going to look it up. What what was the time on that game? What did we get? 3.49. 3.49. See, this is what the pitch clock was made for. For 14 inning games. Because that was a properly timed game in the end. Um, biggest crowd of the year at Wrigley, too. Uh, 38,196. Um, maybe yesterday was bigger. I don't know. But really huge crowds. The weather's been absolutely awesome. So now the Cardinals are coming to town. And we tomorrow we got Miles Michaelis versus Stroh. That's quite the matchup. There's guess they're pretty evenly matched pitchers, or at least they have been in the past. But Michaelis stinks this year. One and one with a 579. The Cardinals stink this year. Oh, I love saying that. Feels so good. Stroh is two and two with the two eighteen. Cubs don't score when he pitches, so that's one concerning thing. And when I looked up the Cardinals' offense and their uh, bullpen, they're average in pretty much every single category. Nothing exceptional. Nothing standing out that's saying to me, "Man, this is a really bad team that can't get it." get it together. They're the worst team in the in uh the National League. They finally won today. They've been bad. I mean, they they today was the first game they won in May. And we all know about their horrible April. 10 and 18. 0 and 1 in March. Like just <laughs> hilariously beautiful. Um yeah, one run games, 1 and 7. Ooh. <laughs> Love it. Just love it. 
Um, so yeah, they're coming to town. Eleven and twenty-four in last place, but we'll talk about that when we do the standings because this is the standings episode. So I won't go too much into what the Cardinals are doing, except for that their stats make it look like they should have a better record. Um, their Pythag, what, the, what does it have them at? Their Pythag is at 15 and 19. So yeah, they're five under their Pythag. They've scored 144 runs, 169 runs allowed. So it shouldn't be as bad as it is, according to famed baseball statistician and historian Pythagoras. Um, yeah, Miles Michaelis, Cubs have seen him, especially Ian Happ. 30 plate appearances, seven hits, two doubles, uh, eight strikeouts, though, only batting 241, OPS 577, not that great. So, But he's seen him the most. But uh, Horner, seen him quite a bit, six for 16, all singles. Barnhart hits off this guy, five for 14 with a dong. Wisdom's got a dong, but that's only one of his two hits. And in 12 plate appearances. Um, and Eric Hosmer hits this guy. Five for 11 with a double and a dong. And uh, Dansby Swanson, well, average number is three for 11. But, and then you get under 10. But everybody's seen him. 150 total plate appearances. Uh, 644 OPS. So not great when you consider the team. But there's some guys that hit him real well. Um, highest OPS, Hosmer. Maybe you can see him in this game. And everybody will complain, and I'll say something snarky on Twitter. Well, well, you know, he is 5 for 11 <laughs> with a dog and a double. Uh, Marcus Stroman, he's going for the Cubs. And uh, he was pretty good against D.C. last time. One run, five hits, three walks, five strikeouts. He was good. Cubs lost, of course, because they didn't score any runs. We lost two to one. Uh, yeah, that, remember that uh, horrible series? Maybe we should forget about it. But when we lost three of four to the <laughs> Washington Nationals, yeah, that was horrible. Well, guess what? We just took the series from the Marlins, so we could feel a little bit better. And uh, the Cardinals have seen quite a bit of Marcus Stroman as well. Arenado seen him the most, along with Paul Goldschmidt. Um, can I just say this? Don't pitch to Paul Goldschmidt. Eight for 18 off of Marcus Stroman. Two doubles, three dongs. That's a 1.579 OPS. Freaking Tommy Edmond kills him. Six for 14. Four for 12, Norman, Norman Gorman. No, no, Nolan Gorman. Norman Golan. Same, same name. Same name. So he's got two home runs off him. Paul DeJong's got a dong, but he's only one for nine. They've seen him a lot. And the, here's the sad thing. 759 OPS. Ah, it's just, it's brutal. He does not do well against the Cardinals. So there's your matchup for tonight. Uh, the bad news is if you've got tickets to this game, it's going to be cold and and rainy all day, and it's supposed to stop by the game, but then the wind's going to be blowing in at uh, 10 to 20 miles per hour with a low of 46. So if you are going to this game, uh, fake summer is now over. You will be freezing your butt off at this contest if you do not dress accordingly. So dress uh, let's take a look around the major leagues a little bit. You know, I'm looking at the American League, not a lot of streakiness going on right now. A lot of one twos, lost twos. Uh, the Toronto lost three, but that's it. No, no, nobody's on a on a bender or a, or a skid. Uh, Tampa Bay is still the best team in baseball. They have an 800 winning percentage. They are 28 and seven. Baltimore still shocking everybody. 22 and 12. Then you got Toronto, still seven games over. You got Boston, six games over. So another strong division. Everybody's over 20 wins except the New York Yankees. 18 and 17, still over 500, but already 10 games back. Uh, Minnesota leaves the AL Central, 19 and 16. 
Cleveland at their heels two and a half games back. Detroit right there. They've actually been doing pretty well lately. They picked up a game anyway. Um, 15 and 18. I saw that Javi kind of got back on track. Then the White Sox, 12 and 23. Um, they're five and five in their last 10. And then uh, Kansas City brings up the rear with their nine and 26. They they are still in single digits with wins, and they're not the only team. Uh, the Oakland A's in the AL West are in last place of the world. Uh, going from the bottom up, I guess, why not? Um, Seattle and Houston, both 500. You got the Angels three games over, and then Texas leads the way with uh, seven games over 520 wins. Let's move over to the NL. Atlanta is 24 and 11 right now. They are the best team in the National League, seven and three in their last 10. And then um, Miami, still a game under. The Mets, they're tied with Miami. Uh, 17 and 18, Philadelphia 16 and 19, and then Washington is 14 and 20. Um, Pittsburgh still 20 wins, although they've lost seven straight and they're three and seven in their last 10. Um, 20 and 15 on the season though so far in Milwaukee right there, only a half game back, 19 wins. Cubs are back to 500 which is what my prediction is how they'd end up this year, but they're back there. Um, Cincinnati, six games under. Then St. Louis, nine games back in the standings already. Then uh, the Dodgers in the NL West, they've taken over from Arizona. Nobody's shocked by that, but Arizona is right there, game and a half back. Uh, San Diego, 18 and 17. Once again, underperforming their talent level and payroll. Uh, They've got a negative run differential. Negative four. San Francisco, 15 and 18. And then Colorado at 14 and 21. Yeah, if the season ended today, Pittsburgh would be the NL Central champ. Well, there you have it. That is a one, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even say crazy things on this one. I literally went through what happened in the game, what's going on with the Cardinals and what's going around the league. And that makes for one long ass Cubs pod. So hopefully you had uh, enough time on your hands to listen to it. Okay, y'all have a wonderful day. Spook Hogue.